This is Right Excuses, Season 5, Episode 18, Offending Your Readers. 15 minutes long because we're in a hurry. And you're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Dan. And I'm Howard. And I'm going to tell you idiot. this was Howard's suggestion. So, um, angry um, email should be written to him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Okay, my idea for this actually came because one of the commenters on the uh, podcast, uh, Oletta, said... Um, you guys need to talk for more than 15 minutes because you really are that smart. And so what immediately leapt to mind was the idea that we should say, well, 15 minutes long because we're in a hurry and you're not that smart. So, Howard, you just built our entire I podcast? I built the entire off of idea joke. around off of, the off okay. of that joke. And, but the, the thing that leapt to mind okay, was... Okay, podcast <laughs> over. And you... No, 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 no. We're going to keep going. We've when reverse engineered sorts of things, intelligent conversation from a pun. When you do these sorts of things... Um, you know, it, it, I, I thought it was a cute joke, but yeah. you run the risk of offending somebody. Yes. Right. When we write the things that we write, every so often, or every, every yeah, every so often, did I get the phrase mm-hmm. right? Uh, you say something that, uh, that crosses a line. You write something that is, uh, is offensive and really didn't need to be. Okay. I, I would consider these to be mistakes. Okay. And so I want to talk about, you know, what sort of mistakes we've okay. made or we've seen made and that how offend do we not readers do that. unnecessarily. Unnecessarily offending the reader. Yeah, let's let's lay lay a ground here rule here. Sometimes you're gonna offend people and sometimes it's a good idea. Um, mm-hmm. because writing and this is mo- um, hugely true in um, humor as I understand. Humor that doesn't offend somebody is generally oh. so bland that you know, it doesn't risk the potential of offending somebody, but you don't yeah. want to accidentally offend people. You want to offend people on purpose, yeah. um, and you don't want the other parts of your writing to be offensive and uh, crowd out, you know, the important things by having people pay attention to them and potentially narrowing your market for reasons you don't intend. Yeah. So, Howard, um, you, you brought this up. What was the first thing that leapt okay. to your mind? The, the first thing that leaps to my mind is uh, the egregious offense of over-explaining things to the reader mm-hmm. um, okay. so that the reader feels like you are talking down to them as an author. You're okay. being treated, the reader is being treated like they are dumb. Okay. And people who read books tend to be pretty bright. Yeah. yeah. You can see this a lot in uh, young adult and middle grade, in bad young adult and middle grade, Thank where someone is not giving that. their audience the uh, credit they deserve, I think. Right. No, I, I think that's 100% true. Um, I mean, when I first was a new writer, um, thinking about branching into children's fiction, there were a lot of assumptions I had that were completely wrong. Um, yeah. Some of them being that, you know, oh, I need to write down. I, you know, a lot of new writers think that you do. You need to change. Um, you do need to alter your writing, but writing down is not the way to do yeah, it. Yeah, writing down is not, is not the solution. The... Uh, one of the examples, eh, examples, the wrong word, uh, the types of this problem, um, when you are trying to drop hints that a given character is, you know, is your villain or yeah. has a romantic interest or something, um, you can be subtle. Yeah. Go ahead and be subtle. And sometimes, you know, you'll, you'll find the same descriptor used three or four times in a row, just said differently. And the reader starts to feel like, oh, you just threw 40 extra words at me. And mm-hmm. okay. this is one I think I you need to be very careful with. I'm not sure if I'm going to list it under the greatest offenses, um, just because different readers are looking for different things. 
Um, and different readers want different amounts of explanation for various um, things. Yeah. And, uh, but you do run into the problem of sometimes kind of the corporate answer is, well, write it so that nobody is going to get lost. Well, if you write it so nobody's going to get lost, you're actually going to be insulting the yeah. intelligence yes. of, of, most um, of, of, your of most of your readers. And so, um, Dan, are there any things you would say that would, uh, that would be unintentionally offensive to readers? Unintentionally offensive to readers? Yeah. Well, um, I would say, for example, um, racial and gender demographics of your characters. Okay. Um, and this is something that we can do completely by accident. If right. you are white or Asian or whatever you are, and that's just how you tend to think, and everyone in your book is the same race, or yeah. if you write an entire fantasy novel or whatever that has no women in it, um, that is going to bother a lot of, a lot of people. Right. Um, and I'm not yeah. recommending, you know, affirmative action. You have to have at least one African guy and one kid in a wheelchair right. and that kind of thing. <laughs> but I think you do need to uh, try to be a little more inclusive. You know, there should be at least one character in your book that a given reader will be able to identify with and say, oh, that's me. Right. Okay. Um, this is another one that's, that's the, on the other side that has caused um, a lot of argument is when people include... Um, a person from a different background than themselves and do it poorly. Yes, which um, can be the token awful. female, the yes. token black mm -hmm. guy. In or the even not movie. trying to make it token. When you're trying, you know, there are a lot of writers who will try to write from a perspective and will do a bad job of it. And it comes across as yeah. the token exactly. female. Okay, that, that's what, what I was that's yeah. what I was saying. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. um, I mean and this is this is a, a conversation that, that's had a lot of heat, particularly in the science fiction and um, fantasy community. If you want to, to go back, it's a couple years past now, but read up on race fail. I think we may have talked about race fail uh, mm -hmm. when we were um, I think we did. When we were podcasting during that time. But you can read up on it and there's there's no one's sure where this balance should be. So that the people on one side say, well, I just can't put anyone of an ethnic um, background in my books if I'm white because therefore I'll do it wrong and people are going to be offended. Um, or, but then if you do that, they say people are going to be offended because I'm not accurately representing the world. Yeah. Um, and I think that um, doing your research, taking some time and thinking of your characters as people rather than as stereotypes will help with a lot of this. Yeah. I mean, in, in some cases, it's as simple as just saying, okay, this character is going to be a woman now. And, you know, you might not need to write that character differently than you were planning to. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Um, Should we take a quick break for a book of the week? Yeah, let's do our book of the week. This week's book comes to us from Mike Barker, Writing Excuses Transcriptionist Extraordinaire, and he recommends Dragon's Ring by Dave Freer. 
Tazmarin is a place of dragons, a plane cut off from all other worlds, where dragons can be dragons and humans can be dinner. It's a place of islands, forests, mountains, and wild oceans filled with magical denizens. Fionn the Black Dragon calmly tells anyone who will listen that he's going to destroy the place. Of course, he's a joker, a troublemaker, and a dragon of no fixed abode. No one ever believes him. He's dead serious. Others strive to refresh the magics that built this place. To do so, they need the combined magics of all the intelligent species to renew the ancient balance and compact. There is just one problem. They need a human mage, and dragons systematically eliminated those centuries ago. There is one, but she seems to have fallen in love with the black dragon Fionn. If you enjoy fantasy filled with good humor, gritty realism, and grand scope, check out Dragon's Ring by Dave Freer, now in paperback from Bayon Books, and available wherever books are sold. And we're back. Um, I'm going to go ahead and throw one out here. Um, my, my turn to be on spot here. Um, I think one of the things that unintentionally offends me most often is uh, straw men. In fiction. That's exactly what I was going to um, suggest. And mm -hmm. you know what? It's not just straw men. Like, let's, we've talked about straw men and not doing straw men. But a straw mm -hmm. man is where you present the other <clears throat> side of, the, of an argument, but you present it with um, very weak legs to stand on so it can easily be knocked down. That's where yeah. the term comes from. Yeah. Um, and, you know, straw men on any side offend me. Whether, you know, they offend me the most if it's someone who's put in to espouse my viewpoint, point, quote unquote, then get knocked down. But even if it's the other side, it inherently makes me as a reader, and I think a lot of readers, particularly in our genres, but you know, a lot of readers in general, tend to be the types that want to explore other viewpoints. And it's why they're getting into books and fiction, are gonna immediately be annoyed and polarized against your characters if, um, if you're setting up straw men for them to knock down. Yeah, any, <clears throat> a straw man argument is, is one side of it. The other side of it is the, and I don't know if there's a, a synonymous sort of term, but I think of it as the Potemkin village, okay. where you have, uh, you have set up the good side of the argument in such a way that uh, it's very, very shallow, but we go ahead and we take it at face value without right. drilling down on it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, now both now, of those both of those I dislike. I, I've also seen this done um well and the specific example I'm thinking of is the uh, Civil War storyline from Marvel Comics, which I'm reading through now. I'm a couple of years behind in my comics. But uh they they proposed a really interesting <clears throat> idea that all superheroes would have to register with the government. Right. And then they gave very equal weight to both sides. I've actually been impressed that right. both sides of this argument have had good representation. But the way the plot is structured, it's obvious from the beginning which viewpoint is going to win. And so even though they're giving good arguments, you know, they, they have legs to stand on, you know, the writing is on the wall right from the first one, and you can tell where it's going, and that is kind of bothering me. Well, the, I mean, a, a even better example of this, I would say, is the, the movie Avatar, um, which mm. I actually mm -hmm. enjoyed. Okay, it's, it was a fun flick. Um, it wasn't in my, my top movies ever, but the most bothersome thing to me was this straw man of the villains. Yeah. And um, it makes for a weaker movie all around when the bad guys are evil military man and evil corporate man in all of their generic yeah. glory. 
Mm -hmm. We could have no, fixed that. Yeah. We could have fixed that so easily if the corporate guy and the military guy had sat down and said, "Okay, look, I, I really hate you know nuking the blue monkeys, but if we don't get." I feel dirty just saying the word. If we don't get enough unobtainium... Hey, that is an awesome word. You know, the government falls apart on Earth, and we're stranded out here right. with, with nothing. Mm -hmm. Give them some good if, arguments. You know, if they had something, you know, other than just bald-faced greed, yeah. um, then it, it, it would have been such a simple change to make. Yep. That's my new band name. Nuke the Blue Monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> All right, other things that can unintentionally offend your readers that you should be aware of as writers. All right, empty space, I'm going to talk. I do that real well. Um, oh, no, what have we done? No. Um, I'm offended by empty space. We summoned the Brandonium. <laughs> I don't even know. That is the I'm least rare element in the periodic table. Are you saying I'm fat? <laughs> no, just verbose. <laughs> um, okay. Um, in a similar term, oh boy, if I can re remember my train of thought now. <laughs> Thank you, Brandonium um, Smounders. Um, it's gone. <laughs> no, that's okay, because we can snap our fingers and you'll magically remember after we cut the tape. Oh, I now suddenly remembered, and we totally didn't just stop the tape for like three minutes while I tried to. Of course, beat my we didn't. We just snapped our fingers, and, and we're in. And Howard needs to start the clock again. Um, all right, <laughs> don't make me forget it again. Um, moralizing, um, I've I've harped on this a lot, but I don't think writers, for some reason, understand how offensive this is to most people. Um, I don't care what, what your ideals are. In fact, I'm glad you have them. I expect them to come across in your fiction because what you're passionate about is going to inform what happens in your storytelling. Because of that, you don't need to have your character stand up on a box and deliver messages to me. Um, mm -hmm. Now, occasionally, it'll be appropriate for, you know, to, to work this through. You do want to have theme. You do want to have, um, you know, characters come to realizations. Um, but... You know, once you start doing this too much, I'm looking at you, Dan Brown. Um, <laughs> I, I want to, you know, I want to read a story and and learn who the characters are and learn what's going on in yep. the world, not have the action be stopped for five pages for you to explain to me how I should think. Yeah. Um, in, in a lot of ways, I think moralizing is the flip side of the straw man argument. Yeah. Because rather than give not enough weight to an argument, you're giving far too much. Right. But yeah, and I think the, yeah. the moralizing often goes hand in hand with the Potemkin village that I was it talking does. about. Um, but even if you've gone into great detail and explored both sides of the issue and then you are, are moralizing on one side or the other... Uh, I, I get a little frustrated. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but, I mean, this can be done well. Um, I often mention Watchmen as one of my favorite um, pieces of, of fiction ever. Yeah. And Watchmen has moralizing in it. Well, I mean, and Watchmen is a good example because, you know, the messages that are given, the, the moral of the story, yeah. comes out through the plot and through the actions right. and, and realizations the of the characters, yeah. not because one of the characters faces the audience and says, thus we see that if, this is the downfall and folly of man. If I can believe that that's what that character would actually do in this situation, then I'm all the way there with you. 
Mm -hmm. um, but if I believe that it's not the character and suddenly it's the author, there and you know most people wouldn't call this offensive. I find it offensive because it's it's insulting for all these reasons we've talked about. Yeah. You're not counting on the reader to pick up on your messages. You're not allowing your characters to give their messages as who they are. You are just kind of making your characters um, little you know heads sock puppets. to sock yeah. puppets to to parrot things at you. Mm -hmm. All right, Howard. You said you had one last one. I don't like it when an author makes me a promise at a beginning of a, the beginning of a book and then fails to deliver on that. Do, does that offend you, though, or does that just bother you? It depends you? on how attached I was <laughs> to <laughs> the promise that I felt had been made. No, I understand what if, you're talking if about. I'm, if I'm halfway through a book and and I realize that uh, I've, I've been sold the wrong bill of goods, mm -hmm. that, you know, this, this science fiction novel that, you know, I thought I had picked up is actually a... Uh, werewolf romance. Um, ha ha. Yeah, ha, ha. Ed. Take that, Anne McCaffrey. <laughs> um, no, I actually, and I will say this without spoilers, and I will not go into it because it's brand new, but uh, the second Tron movie actually in some ways kind of offended me in this sense because I looked at what it could have been and mm -hmm. what m maybe it, I wanted it to be, and it was not. Yeah, um, and now part of that I have to be careful of because as a writer... Yeah. Uh, you start telling me a story, and I start telling myself the story that I want to hear, yes. and then you've diverged from it. Mm -hmm. um, but that's very different, I think, from where you've actually made... You've hung Chekhov's gun on the wall, yes. and then we left the house and never came back. Well, yeah, yeah. Where, where the broken promise bothers me is when it is lost potential. Mm. You know, when it's, this could have been so awesome... And you took the easy way out. You ended with the gunfight instead of with the cool character realization. That kind of a thing. I'll agree with you um, 100%. When you put it that way, Dan, um, that does offend me. It, it offends me in films. I mean, there's a film that almost everybody universally loved um, this last year. And it's, it's high on Howard's list. It's How to Train Your Dragon, which is a great film. And yet at the end, they took several easy shortcuts, which almost mm. came close to ruining the movie for me. Um, and Hollywood does this a lot. We get really used to it. I mean, I, I really like the movie Tangled. And yet, they took a shortcut at the end, too. Um, mm -hmm. Because it's like, oh, in our genre, we can't do this. Um, and um, in How to Train Your Dragons, the shortcut was all of a sudden, the, the kid has a bunch of friends and the people who hated him all like him now for reasons I can't explain and can all yeah. suddenly fly dragons as well as he can, mm -hmm. despite having 15 minutes of practice when it took him weeks and weeks of yeah. hard work. Um, yeah. Which then, you know, invalidates his weeks and weeks of hard work because obviously it wasn't that hard because <laughs> everybody else can do it with Every 15 minutes. What's wrong with you? But, but um, yeah, the story is just that he's not very good at it. Um, Although the, that's, uh, th that's a broken promise, yeah. uh, the way Dan phrases yeah. it. Okay, now, now an example of, of a movie that did this well is Gross Point Blank, okay. which actually did end with a gunfight. You know what? But we need to um, can of worms this and talk okay. about broken promises. That's a very good idea. do an episode on it because we've had requests on it and we could go on forever on this. So Very um, true. I'm going to break it and say you have to, uh, your writing prompt is to write, what was it, a vampire romance, or no, a werewolf romance that does not appear it at the first but does not break Looks any like promises. Looks like it's hard to be hard start science fiction. Start with space opera. Start yeah. with, not space opera, yeah. Start with hard science fiction, move into werewolf romance, in three paragraphs? <laughs> <laughs> this has been Running Excuses. You're out of excuses, and you're stupid. No, I mean... <laughs>
<laughs> You're out of excuses, and nobody likes you. Sorry, I couldn't help it. <laughs> Don't be offended. You're out of excuses, and Brandon has no self-control. <laughs> if you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storytellers' stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cutscene, some original art, and a couple of other things like, do you want to do a one-on-one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus.